In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey. All right, everybody. Josh, you made it just in time. Just in time. Yeah. Um, so I just want to thank everyone that's joining us live today. Uh, you know, I, I always fail to, to say this and just to tell people that, that I really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to join us. If you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube or you're watching the recording, listening to recording. So I just appreciate you for doing that. I know we're all very busy out there. Um, so, you know, if you're getting something out of the show, whether it's a, a laugh or a little piece of information that might be helping you out, just hit the like button for me, share this, uh, let other people know about it because it really does help the show, you know, as we go forward. So, of course, I am Jim Hoffman, and that's Josh Knapp. And I'm Dave Brenner. So, uh, do I need to even talk now? Because you're you need to crank up your volume. You're a little low, Josh. So just make your sound a little bit louder for us. Um, I'm trying. Well, while you're doing that, uh, Dave, the reason why today's show you had sent me an email, which I thought was pretty interesting, and brought about something that I think a lot of people either think about or, or or even may have done or refuse to do, which is act as an EMT or a paramedic when we're off duty and we see somebody that's injured or down or, or, or what have you. Um, and I thought it was a good topic because you get a lot of people who talk about the you know, the duty to act thing and, um, you know, being sued, you know, stuff like that. And I think that that's a, a big part of what, what drives people's decisions when they, when they either act or don't act or hesitate. Um, but I think there might be other things involved too. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts on it. When you, I know you said you had sword about it. There was a percentage of, Physicians, you had said that 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 do that, and I'm just wondering maybe you can just give us a little insight. Sure, sure. So, it, well, you know what? Actually, before we move there, why don't we just do this? I have you ever done it? Yes, Josh. Ever done? Ever done? Yeah, uh, respond to somebody while not on duty. Yeah. Or before no. I was uh, in EMS, respond to no. somebody. No, as once you were in EMS, a credentialed provider. Plenty of times. Plenty of times. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to set a stage, if you don't mind, all right? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I was once in, in Macy's, and there was a young – we were waiting online, and there was a young lady in front of me, and I'm watching her just stand. My wife is right next to me. She's with her mother. She was about 16 years old. And I said to my wife, she's going to collapse. And she did. She fell. I caught her under her armpits. I lie her on the ground. I elevated her legs. 
My mother said, what are you doing? I said, uh, said I, she passed out. You know? um, again, and that's, that's something I've done a whole bunch of times, not catching women, but, uh, but you know, responding to people. But when but this she was, said, what are you doing, Dave? Did you identify yourself? You said, I'm paramedic? I, I said, or? I did. I did. I said, oh, I'm okay. a paramedic. And she passed out. I caught her so she wouldn't fall. Yeah, I did the, the right. They, they didn't question that. But, uh, um, you know, I've responded to a lot of people a lot of times. And that, that was an easy one. Did you ever respond to anybody in a restaurant or on a plane? On a plane? Yep. I had to sit with this woman for three hours. Mm. Um, it, you know, uh, it turned out to be a possible middle smirch. Middle smirch. Middle smirch. Yes. Okay. Middle yeah. That's middle smirch. That's middle smirch. Middle smirch. Right. That's right. Painful. And and she had she had passed out, and um, I did the exact same thing. Um, Later down and whatnot, uh, they had oxygen on her, um, and you know, kept that going until she, the color returned to her right. face and her mental status. I don't doubt, I don't doubt you know. care. I'm not, I'm not questioning you care, but, but you responded, right? Mm-hmm. How about, uh, how about you, Jim? It's funny you bring the Macy's story up, Dave. I had almost an exact thing happen to me in um, JC Penny. Oh, there you go. Maybe, I was, maybe, I was, maybe that's where she went poorer. next. I was poorer than you. I didn't really shop at Macy's. I had to shop at JCPenney. And um, I was online and I watched this kid. He must have been maybe 10, 11 years old, start having a seizure. Hmm. You know, and I would do the same type of thing. I, I you know, I, I uh, took off my shirt and I peeled back the Superman, you know, symbol. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I walked Did you over. look around and grab a bike? I said, Is there anything I can do? I'm a paramedic. And in my back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know what I can do because I have nothing <laughs> with me, you know. You got medallion on tap? But I will tell you, the, the, the staff at JCPenney came. They had brought a wheelchair and they brought oxygen. Sure. And the, the, the thing is, is that just the, the fact that I identify myself as a paramedic and as they're waiting for the ambulance to come, they seemed more well, at they, ease. Oh, sure. You know, knowing that, you know, that there was somebody there who was – I guess higher qualified. Five minutes before yeah. that, they were unboxing uh, shirts in, uh, in the White right. House. Exactly. And thank God there's somebody here who knows what's going on. Yeah, they but just I, like a response. But I'll tell you, on the, on the flip side of that, you know, I, I was on a plane once, and there was a, a guy who uh, uh, had a simple episode in, in the in the plane, um, and he was in the back of the plane, and um, they asked if there were any medical personnel on on board, and. Two doctors got up and went back there, and I was like, "It was right. a podiatrist's fault." I, I was like, Vegas. "I was like, all right, what, what, am, what am I going back there for?" You know, the two doctors because back there. This is what you do, you know. So, I and in that case, I, I did not get up and volunteer my uh, okay. expert services of a non-equipped and uh, you know a paramedic uh, in the skies. You know what I mean? So there, there is a recommended. Um, first aid kit for airplanes that has some interesting stuff on it, including, you know, saline and IV access and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. But there are, there are no uh, health police well, checking that stuff. But well, I, figured, I, I, I did figure though, I said to myself, I, in a situation like that, I've been in a few situations like that where I kind of held back because the, the, the patient wasn't, they weren't unresponsive. They weren't doing CPR, things like that. And there were other people already injecting themselves into the, 
you know, situation. So I'm like, okay, why am I going to get up and be another person to get up with no equipment and say, Hey, I'm a paramedic, you know, whatever. But I, you know, but at the same time, you know, if the person was car caress, something like that, if that would be, that would change the, the situation. Sure would. You know, and so, so let me then, ask you something. Uh, have you, Oh, Dave, I'm apologize. I just want, I want to bring you to the next part. The next part well, before this. you get you get before okay. you get there, when you get on a, a plane or uh, some conveyance of that nature, where you're, where you, there's somebody greeting you, there's somebody in charge of the 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 transport, uh, like a stewardess or somebody. Do you let them know that you you know uh, as you're getting on? By the way, I'm a paramedic. Or you're asking uh, me? Yeah, any of yeah, it's so open the to the table. To me, for me, is yes. I I usually say something. Listen. I'm a paramedic. Uh, be good if you don't need me, but if you do, I'm here. Right. And I, I used to think that was a sort of a geek thing to do, right? They what like do you guys see, Jim? I say I'm a paramedic, and I like a window seat <laughs> and a free beverage. And an extra, yeah, right. <laughs> and they I say, take scotch. And they say, no, you're, you're not a doctor. EMS is different. Go sit down and shut up. <laughs> So my experience on the plane was was sort of similar to that, you know, because I I when I get on a plane, uh, you know, I usually whisper to the stewardess that you know I'm a I'm a medic. Please, uh, if you don't write, not whisper. Don't my be whispering to stewardesses, Josh. My my wife gets upset at that. No, it's um, but I usually will say, hey, you know, I'm a medic. You know, hopefully hopefully you don't need me, but you know, just so you know, and. Uh, and the response I got on the one time, most of the time, it's very polite. Thank you. You know, good to know, or, you know, something encouraging along that line. The person, the, the stewardess that uh, on the last flight that I had somebody who, who went down um, basically said to me, well, thank you. We have everything under control, sir. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, please enjoy your seat or something like that. And mm -hmm. me, uh, you know, it was back in the day. And I don't know if you remember those these days, Dave, where you could uh, work more than a 12 hour shift in a row or several 12 hour shifts. You in can a still row. do that. Well, yes, you can. The, the city system is harder to get around. No, it's not. I see it all the time. They work 12 hours in the city. They come out the Holbrook. They work 16 hours straight for us and they go back okay. to the city. So they're yeah. working two different, they're working two different. They're working out uh, of the city. I mean, yeah, sure. Right. They do it all the time. And you don't think it happens right. in Westchester? Yes, you're right. You're 100% it happens right, right everywhere. Still, maybe that's a topic for us in the future. It, um, it is. The but anyway, my, my interest was to uh, get to an, in an uncrowded plane and get three seats across and oh. not wake up until we touch down. And um, I, that plan was going perfectly. I had, uh, as soon as we, you know, the seatbelt sign went on, I sort of threw a belt around me, laid down in the seat and told my wife that, uh, wake me up when we're uh, disembarking. And uh, I, I felt that nice gentle lift in the air. I'm falling asleep, everything. I'm in the clouds, the plane's in the clouds. Everything's right in the world. And then the tap on the shoulder, sir, sir, did you say you were a paramedic, sir? Yeah. And then we had my uh, pass out. Everything but, is uh, under control. Everything is under control. And they said, they, uh, they said, I said, do you have any equipment? Do you have anything? She said, well, we have a red bag 
a red package and a black package. And I'm like, well, Which what's one has the, the peanut? And I, and I, I actually, I, I said, she said the red one has a tag on it. So I said, okay, that probably has drugs in it. I'll probably want to see that, but let's see what the situation is first. The black one, do you remember the kit she got in the AM, in EMT school? Yes. You know, uh, the little black bag with the, the, the blood pressure cuff yeah. and your uh, $2 stethoscope? Right. Yep, yep. That's exactly what they had. And the crappy oxygen wrench? Uh, no, they they uh, they didn't at the time, but oh. I luckily always carried mine. So, so, so here's the next question. You okay. guys worked. You guys worked in mean streets of New York City, did you not? I sure. They were very yeah. happy streets. All right, very, so let, very fun. Did you ever? Or we have an off duty on the mean streets of New York City. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Have a Are little camera show. Have go downtown. Uh, in, into um, you know to Little Italy or somewhere like that or or you know to the restaurant district or you ever see a person lying on the ground there disheveled look, mean, looking uh, undomiciled uh, possibly just looking disheveled and undomiciled yeah once or twice and let, let me ask if they were overtly seizing what would be your response call nine one one yeah what would you do for the patient um it would be probably, different it would be different than if you were waiting online at the met and the person in front of you in a yeah. tuxedo went down and started seizing might it not be I'm well, just pat, yeah they're in a tuxedo so i'd pat them down they might have something valuable in the yeah, wabc wallet airway breathing circulation right. that's the new york city all right, ow, all right so ow. ow new york city doesn't appreciate that yeah i'm just joking so there was an article in, in the uh, Journal of the American Send Medical. angry emails to Dave Brenner. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm sorry. That, it's just sarcasm and, you know. Uh, yeah, so there was back, a recent backpedal article. that now. I don't have to backpedal it. Yeah, they can fire me from my medic job. So we're um, at the Met. You have a guy in a tux, and you're saying right, so, that he's so going to be treated differently than the guy outside the Met. So there was an article in the in a, in a July... Um, Journal of the American Medical Association, not research, it's a viewpoint. It's called The Clinical Approach to Preventing Death on the Streets. And they, uh, they asked a lot of docs and uh, if they would typically jump in and most 69% of physicians report that they would definitely stop help and provide help in a restaurant, diner, you know, someone clutching their chest. 54% said they would definitely respond in an airline passenger. 2%, however, report definite willingness to help a disheveled person lying on the sidewalk. You know, so that, person I, is, that person is seizing or, or, or obviously have something going on other than being homeless and sleeping or, or disheveled and, and drunk or something like that. Like laying in their own vomit, let's say, because they yeah. drink, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, a quick a quick theory or observation to that, it might just be a level of experience as well. When a doctor sees a patient and clinically gets into it gets into the mode of thinking clinically and and uh, healing, uh, they're in a fairly clean office. It has all the accoutrements that they need to diagnose. 
and they're uh, you know they're in their own environment. For EMS, we're we're more used to the streets. I mean, every one of us here has treated a, a homeless person oh, more sure. than once, and and sometimes you know they've been a lot of times they're drunk, they're in their own vomit, they're that's you know or just drunk or passed out or just sleeping, right? But occasionally you got somebody who is you know, in more, in, in extremis, but sure. we treated them, right? Sure, so course. when we go, when we're, we're, we're by the Met and we're not in our, you know, we're not in a rented tux or anything. And there's somebody on the ground outside. I would think that a person with experience in that, in that situation would be more likely to get, go to action than a person. But, without but also just to be clear, while they're used to an office, I'm used to a partner with a radio. Right. I'm used to a system backup. Right. right. So, so yes, yeah, I'm I'm used to kneeling on the street. Most physicians probably are not, um, but you know, and and I, it's just healthcare providers in general. But this this was you know in the journal, and so they checked. Um, but it was interesting to me that only two percent of them said that you know, given really the same circumstances a homeless disheveled person would get their attention and uh, and care and uh so so I, I i think that's there is a difference between what they do and what we do and they also put put in there people are worried about good samaritan laws um yeah you know uh you know in new york state there is no good samaritan law there's article 3013 which is the uh release of uh Liability for, for providing care without expectation of compensation, which is tantamount to a good Samaritan law, which, by the way, applies to physicians as well as EMS folks. Right. Yeah. That, that I'll, I'll say, you know, like you said, if I if I saw something like that and they were disheveled and, and actively seizing, um, I would say that I would, I would, you know, like I said, I would call nine one one, and I don't know. Again, not having equipment or a radio or a partner and things like that, I'm not sure what I would do. Um, maybe other than you make sure nobody try to be a hero and stick something in the guy's mouth or you know something like that. You know that type of thing. Um, well, I mean, know. what's the bottom line BLS protocol with seizure is to keep them from harming themselves and maintain an airway. Again, I, I'm not interested in our ability to recite. I know we know what to do, you know, but that's what we do. We're EMS. You know, we don't have to MacGyver it. We don't have to, uh, you know, go search and get a spoon, bend it into the shape of an OPA. We're not, we're not doing that. Um, I know we know what to do. This, th th These aren't even medical questions. They're more, they're more social and um, yeah. ethical questions than they are um, – Otherwise, so, but they came up with an algorithm. They came up, uh, believe it or not, the clinical approach to assessing a person experience homelessness on the street. Wow. Okay. So you know what they came out with first? The BSS, BSI dance, the, you know, uh, assessing safety. You know, the BSI dance. Where you right. Put your hands yeah. Up. yeah. Jazz so hands. They, so, you know, and that, that certainly makes sense. And, and, um, the is it safe to approach? I, I think that's a perception thing. That doesn't mean that their pit bull is standing by them growling. 
um, you know, uh, they're hungry pit bull. Um, it, it, it simply means, do, do you feel safe approaching? And, and if not, it was real simple. They said, you know, call local resources. And that's where the algorithm ends, there. So, but the, the other side is, is it safe to approach? Uh, and and there's, there's no surprise here. And, it, and it, it works so easy for us as for them. Assess for alertness. Wow, what a great idea. What a great idea. Yeah, and if they're alert, assess for clinical distress. You know, are they, are they in acute distress? Or are they not in acute distress? Um, if there's no acute distress, here's what they said. Consider engaging. You know, it's interesting. Because, you know, by the way, the, the, the responsibility to provide care differs from state to state. You, you know that, right? Right. It is a state thing, but I don't know right. the degree that it differs. I, I believe, examples. I believe, Josh, and I, I could be wrong on this. I, I know this for New York State. I could be driving by an accident. Uh, you and I could have left the restaurant. Uh, you left ahead of me, and I see that you've slammed into a hydrant. Your head is sticking through the windshield, and I can just go by and wave to you, and you go, Dave, paramedic, you're my friend. And I said, you thought I was your friend. <laughs> But yes, I, I can drive by because I have. No I gotta get home. I I gotta get home. I gotta right. get home. Because I have up. no duty to respond. You're I believe, and I could be wrong, and I'm sure everybody from Vermont will correct me if I am. In Vermont, the the rule on the road is each person has to stop and provide care if necessary to the level of their credential, and that doesn't mean a surgeon has to operate on somebody. It simply means that. If there is an accident and you're the first one there, you need to stop. You need to make sure uh, EMS, you know, is, is called, if necessary, EMS is called. If there are people hurt and bleeding, if there's anything you can do, you should do. Um, and, and you're not expected to do something that's that's beyond your scope of practice. And you're not expected to perform surgery on the side of the road. But you are expected to provide care, reasonable care, to the level of your training. I could be wrong, and I'm sure... If I've, if I've lit up the board at all, because that one person in Vermont who was listening to us, who serves on the uh, the health board for the state says, Dave, you got it all wrong. But I, I think that's the case. Well, what do you think as far, uh, I think that a lot of people's arguments are the fear of being sued or the, 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 the fear of um, maybe the job, the organization that they work With for. With disease? Yeah. Yeah, things like that where you're not equipped, you know, um, and, and the fear of disease, the fear of you getting hurt, the fear of, of uh, you know, again, getting sued if you do something, even if you don't cause any harm to a patient, you know, maybe you get somebody who gets it in their head that they want to try to capitalize on the fact that you stuck your nose in where you didn't really need to stick your nose in. Or, or you, you, know. you did the right thing and maybe they want to capitalize. We see that all the right. time. And they don't have to be homeless with a shovel. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we, we see I think that's that it. I, I think you're probably I think you're probably better off with, with the disheveled person because they're probably less likely to try to sue you than you know somebody who uh, is in the tuxedo, you know. Um and I think that's like the, the biggest uh, uh thing. And like you said, Dave, different states have different uh laws and different things in place that protect people if they you know step in you know some places where they they if you're a firefighter a paramedic um, you know and you work for the city 
you're considered to be on duty 24 seven. So if you stop, you're covered under, you know, the city's um, guidelines, you know what I mean? Whereas the other ones is like, once you punch out, uh, you know, okay, see you tomorrow and don't do anything stupid. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's a, 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 that's the line I think where a lot of people start to hesitate. I mean, listen, I did a, I, I did a concealed carry class and, the whole thing was, you know, if you see somebody getting beat up or, or whatever, or somebody's pointing a gun at somebody else, don't go over and pull your gun out and try to stick your nose in. Because if you end up shooting that person, you're going to be, you'll probably go to jail. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if even if you're covered by the Good Samaritan laws or whatever they may be, if a person sues you, that doesn't mean you don't have to hire an attorney to defend you. Right. That, that costs money. But I, I want to show you some interesting guidelines you know it it's uh, they've got one here you, you assess for alertness and they're not alert hmm. then they say assess the weather in extreme weather just call you know call local resources that makes sense that hmm. makes sense on the other hand if the if the weather's not ex, ex, extreme and you check their breathing and they're breathing normal it says continue walking as Dion Warwick said just walk on by yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Um, but if the breathing is abnormal, attempt this, to awaken them. Dave, is this like an algorithm that's like honest? It is. Or? It is. You know what? And if I could, I would just drop it here. Um, or I, I, you know, I, I don't know how the copyright laws work uh, regarding journal articles right now to, to put them on the air. Oh, all right. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm certain we can talk about this, but, uh, yeah. um, you know, it's, right. it's not like I'm sworn to silence. Um, so, but Dave, so what they're basically saying in this article or presenting in this article is, for lack of a better term, a set of protocols that guidelines. Gui <laughs> what do all our protocols say? Guidelines. These are just guidelines to good care that don't that don't take away uh, professional good clinical judgment. Right. Right. And, and they're just, uh, you know, a, uh, basically a stepwise procedure for, you know, somebody who's not oriented to, uh, you know, well, I don't know about that. I think there is an orientation to that. If you take the ACLS uh, or PALS program, they, they're very stepwise assess and then treat. Of course. I mean, every, every Isn't that all about medicine? Standards are and standards are all about uh, lawsuits. Um, standards and guidelines. Can you point to something in the, in the professional realm? But the interesting thing to me was, is walk that on by. well, not the walk on by, but this is for homeless people in the street. There's a social commentary in this that that flared when they did their when they did their um, survey of. Physicians, you know, it, it, it wasn't St. Teresa, the response, you know, the, oh, I'd be right on the floor with them right there. That's, that's not what they said. Um, uh, and, and then they, they do some attempt at, at some silly medicine that they did here. You know, if, if it's bad weather and they're not breathing, it's got to be bad weather, though, just so you know, or, or no, or good weather and the breathing is bad assess pulse, call EMS. If there's no pulse, well, if there is a pulse, they talk about giving naloxone. You know, just pull that out of your wallet. And, right. Uh, so and, and, and rest it. your breath. The naloxone paste, you pull it out. Yeah. 
Next to your condom, uh, and you take it out and you rub it on the patient's chest. And if there's no pulse, they say uh, administer CPR and naloxone. Um, I, I don't recall uh, an ACLS. I, I do recall ACLS. They said there's no clinical evidence that using naloxone in a cardiac arrest is useful. It's for respiratory depression, but uh, it doesn't take a person out of cardiac arrest. So, But, but th th all of that aside, I, I felt it was interesting that they had to say this. You know, this was an imperative. This was something they needed to say. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, is there a way for me to share a file with just you guys? I don't think so. I, I, see, I, I see I share a video file. Oh, I, I have this crazy thing called email. Right. Uh, you can yes. definitely do that. Yes, I think I can. Let me see. Oh, yes. All right. So, so what do you guys think about the fact that they actually had to make a statement on this? Well, I mean, well, I, what do you think of the two percent rule? You know, it's not a rule. It's, uh, I think there's a couple of conflicts right in there. I mean, just the idea of, I mean, look, somebody, somebody in the end was paid to write an article, to you know, and that article was shared, and it, you know, it's publish or die, right? Um, so, right, right, right. Well, that's that. It, that wasn't an article. That was a an opinion. An opinion, even okay. So even even more so. So it's it's an opinion, but it's content for this. They're they're putting it out there. It raises some interesting questions. I think the greatest question it raises is the idea of why are uh, trained clinicians so reluctant to uh, respond outside of their clinical setting. Or they're Including, not. They're actually, it's not because they said that they would if it was, you know, a person in like a theater or something like that. But homeless right. on the street is a different layer. Now, I can't generalize that to nurses because this was specifically. Um, uh, this was specifically asked the physicians. So I, I don't know. I don't know how uh, nurses would respond to that. I've seen, listen, I've seen, I, I've worked a cardiac arrest at the airport and uh, a guy stopped. He said to me, listen, I'm a physician. Do you need any help? We had a full crew. We had the guy intubated. We had everything going on. And he says, my son, he points to his 15 year old son. He says, my son told me I should stop and offer help. And I gave his son the thumbs up and, uh, you know, as if to say, thanks for it, you know, thanks for doing that, which was really very nice. And uh, I said, by the way, what's your specialty? He said, I'm a, I'm a dermatologist. And I, I thanked him again. And I, uh, and when he left, I turned to my partner. And I said, listen, if this guy gets a zit, go find that guy. So, uh, right. Bit, we, uh, I, I was, uh, well, that's, that's, not, that's not really true. The, I mean, that, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. They're trained in basic CPR, aren't they? Anyway. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, they, he, could have, he could have done compressions or, or, or you know, the we, we, had, we had the clown crew. You know, it was we had like oh, okay. eight, eight people there. Right. Listen, I'm not putting down uh, uh, dermatologists. It's it's uh, this is what we do. I mean, that's that's our specialty is care on the streets. And you well, know, it's the same thing. If you went to his office <laughs> and said you need help with, with that popping that zit, I saw it on TV. Doctor Pop, <laughs> I think I can do it. You know. Yeah, it's exactly right. Exactly right. So I just sent it to you guys if you wanted to see the algorithm. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. Can't share it, and, though. And, and I, 
I, you know, I sent it to you. I'm not, you know. <laughs> You're absolving yourself of any, any shares. I just, or, I just uh, said an XR. You know, anybody who wanted to. This is, this is from, uh, this is from the, you know, the Journal of the American Medical Association. Uh, okay, I, I was able to get it on uh, July eighth. I, I suspect it was published on or about that time. It was great. It was I, great. I'm looking. At, I'm looking at it on my email screen. That's quite the uh, quite the little. Yes. Did I did I send you the whole article or just the? Um, I just got just, the. Um, I just got the algorithm. The image. That's not an algorithm. I'll tell you. It's it's holy cow. Yeah, yeah. I would walk around with that in my pocket. No, you know, it's just a guideline. You read it, you get a sense. I wonder um, if I if I printed it out and I laminated it, if I could sell it to doctors to keep in their wallets. Wow. Brutal, right? You know, I, I've had a bunch of doctors stop. We had we had a guy that was clobbered by a car on the on the side of the road at night in the rain, and uh, there was a medic there trying to tube him, and he just wasn't having any success. This guy pulls off of one of the main roads. He pulls over. He says, "He says, can I help?" And they said, what do you do? He says, I'm an anesthesiologist. And the guy says, I'm trying to tube him. He says, give me that thing. He tubed him in about a half a second. Boom, on the floor, you know, he just went right into the grass, tubed the guy in a half a second. You know, he does a dozen tubes a day. Right. You know, that, that, was, that was wonderful. Down and dirty, there he was. That was right. great. And then he went on his way and I said, who was that man? <laughs> right. Who was that man in the BMW? Yeah. <laughs> So what do you guys think? What do you guys think that the 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 takeaway is on this? I mean, should we be stopping for anybody? Should we should we know what our local, whether it's you know New York, California, wherever? Should you know what your local laws and 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 whatnot are before you step in to know the I, risk I, that you're the risk that you're beyond the risk of like you said, Dave, a, a disease. Or maybe a patient getting violent or something like that. You know, what's the risk to you? You know, financially, legally, you know, things like like you said, you, you can have someone suing you even if you're 100 percent in the right, and it doesn't mean you're going to get in trouble, but it does mean you might have to spend money on a lawyer. Well, you know, I think it's a few things. I think the first thing that it says to me is that the time to think about this is now, while you're while you're sitting at home in front of your computer and no one's lying on the floor. In a, in a pool of vomit, right? Uh, or collapsing on a on the train station. How many of those folks do we see? Yeah, listen, you've been to Penn Station. There are people who live in Penn Station in the winter. Because mm -hmm. yeah, um, and they're sleeping because they're sleeping. It's time for them to sleep. You know, right? Um, I think the decision on this stuff should be made before you're confronted. I I don't think the time to make a decision or at least to have an orientation is in an emergency. Uh, I, I need to think about it in advance. I want to have my routine. I don't want to plan for every contingency. You know, I'm not walking around with a 14 gauge needle to do a needle decompression on somebody I see on the on the uh, trains. You yeah. know, well, there are well, people you, who you know what? Who uh, do, hey, wait a second. There's some reasonable. There's some reasonableness to that statement, Dave. You know, because we, you know, when I first became a paramedic, it was sort of a discussion amongst new medics. You know, there were guys going out and getting tube kits for their car. And I'm like, what are you going to do with that? You know, you tube somebody on the street, 
and you've you've entered into a world of hurt. Whether it's successful or not, even if you save the guy's life, there's a there's a very good chance that you know you're going to get nailed for operating outside of your your guidelines. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I don't even think you're you're a, you would be a I wouldn't be allowed to bring my own tube kit to my ambulance. It's supposed to right. be the agency's tube kit. It's been checked. It's been maintained. That, you know, there's a load of liability if you come in with your own stuff. Yeah. It, well, there's and, a lot of argument too. I mean, listen, I, and I, I don't have I, the right to walk around with 14 gauge needles or, or well, even you tools. know, remember glucometers. I mean, we, I, I mean, we still I've have them, them, but yeah. remember glucometers not being on the ambulance because I they weren't because the if especially if you're part agency. of a, Exactly. Where they said, we have our equipment, it goes through our own biomedical, it has to be uh, assessed that way, your equipment, we can't ju judge if the reading is accurate. And you're right. sitting there saying, I just need to know if it's high, low or normal. I don't care about, you know, is it 139 versus 142, but they do. And it took a long time before they, they came back and they said, okay, well, we'll allow glucometers on the ambulance. And then when they had these little finger pulse ox meters, there was a whole big thing about, you know, having them uh, because on BLS buses, because it's outside of the protocol for BLS. Mm, yeah. And, you know, eventually they, they going on, uh, you know, people, like you said, Josh, people bringing their, their own sort of equipment like that and then being dumbfounded when they were told they couldn't use it. On the Except oxygen wrenches. You're allowed to bring your you own. You can't use your off death trail. Or even you better, know, you right. your agency to buy it. Right, right here. Buy, in the, buy the oxygen wrenches in bulk so that every ambulance has a couple. A gross. That's it. Right. right. No, but it's Thank true. It, 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 that is true, though. You had people that bring in their own glucometers, their own pulse oximeters. I remember just about everyone I bumped into had that little finger probe. You know, going on that they would use, you know, and well, and, and that goes back. The but then that goes back to what I was saying that people that that carry that stuff, let's say, in a little bag in their car or whatever, and they stop and they render aid and they use their own glucometer or their own pulse ox or whatever. You know, again, I guess it goes back to the the the, the local laws and whatnot. If they use it. And the patient comes back and, and complains is their use of that pulse oximeter, whether it, it, it made a difference in what they did or didn't do or, or not, you'll get some lawyer who will say, well, why did you use that? And it's like, it's another like sort of nail in the coffin for you as the person who stopped that you use something that you weren't authorized to use, you know? Sure. Um, and I think, I think that most people that you'll speak to, will tell you, oh, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to chance getting sued. You know, well, what am I going to do? I don't have I don't have a trauma bag with me. I don't have a well, medical kit with me. I'm going to stand in my hands in my pockets waiting for the ambulance, and I'm putting myself at, at, at liability for doing right. something too much or maybe not doing something if somebody finds out I was a, I was a medic, I didn't do enough. So, right. Yeah, I, I hear that all the time. I, I, I've heard it from a lot of healthcare professionals. They say, I'm not putting my license on the line for this, for this, whatever this is. Right. Um, I, what, I want, what I really want to do, and I've sent you guys the entire article. Um, okay. 
All right. Um, I want to read the last paragraph. It, it won't take long, I promise. Um, but but this is this is my take home point. It says, although there is no legal obligation to intervene when walking by a person in need on the street, clinicians arguably have a professional responsibility to help, consistent with major medical society codes, which recommend that physicians provide emergency care when needed. And they give you a reference for that. All 50 U.S. states have enacted legislation to protect healthcare professionals who act as good Samaritans, except in instances of gross negligence or willful misconduct. Listen, if a person's choking uh, in in a fast food place on a hot on a hot dog, and uh, you say oh, I'm going to relieve that with back blows, and you take out a baseball bat and you slam them on the back with that. Willful, uh, willful misconduct or gross negligence, that's not covered. But if you do the right things or intend to do the right things, you know, you do, if you do a Heimlich maneuver and you break a rib, you know, right. that's okay. That's okay. So if our duty as clinicians is to care for those in need, this is my favorite line of the whole thing. Then never again should a person die alone on a sidewalk without an attempt by a skilled pacify to prevent another avoidable death. That's a line I can live with. Yeah. Oh, I agree. That's the line in my head. And I, I would say to people, if it's not the line in your head, maybe you should have, you know, been stacking books at the library or something. And if you, you know, if you miss young Tom Sawyer, no one dies. Um, but that's, that's my, that's my line. No, I can definitely agree with that. What a liberal I am, huh? Horrible, Dave. No, but I definitely I can agree with that. You know, with that 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 mentality. You know, the the question is is you got to get people past their fear of litigation. You know, and life disruption if something like that happens. People are like, never mind losing your license, right? It's just a fact that oh my god, now. I have so much stuff on my plate. I, like Josh often says, as EMS, you know, provided a lot of us work two jobs, maybe three. Now no, I got Josh works every morning from five a.m. to nine forty-five a.m. That's why we yeah. can't start this till ten. Yeah, that's you know, I mean, true. You, and you got to wrap yourselves around that fact. I, I yeah. can't but the stop. thing is that you you said you say that to yourself it's in the back of your mind, and you're like, okay. If I stop and do something and I get in trouble one way or another, whether it's positive or negative, do I need that additional headache going forward where now maybe I can't work a shift or I have to spend time in court to defend myself for doing the right thing, you know, type of a... a do you really yeah, think, uh, though, that, you know, when... Because I have to say that that's probably of the... 50 things that are going on in my mind, um, the, 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 the legal jeopardy that one places themselves in when they interact with a stranger is uh, probably maybe 45th. I mean, uh, it's really uh, not up on the tops. Well, yeah, I can, I can say that. I, I agree with you that, know, John. I think stabbed. if you see something happening as a primary community, when you come across something that's actively happening, most of us are going to end up, I think, are going to end up acting. Right. You know, you know there's, there's a lot of misinformation out there that has to be combated first. The, I, you know, I've had, I've had 
what? What, is, what misinformation? Well, that you're not covered, that there are, you know, that you can lose your license. Well, you, sure, you can lose your license for hitting a person on the back with a baseball bat or, yeah. you know, when they're choking. Yes, you, you, you can and you should lose your license. And so that's not a problem. Uh, but and, and that, I'm not just talking about EMS folks. I've, I've heard it from nurses. I've heard it from physicians, PAs, um, uh, you know, respiratory therapists, um, you know, people who could know have said, listen, I'm not risking my my practice on this, not the disruption. That's not, they have misinformation and there are people who propagate this misinformation and it, it's just very hard to stop and clean this up so that nobody else hears it so that we don't have to clean it up again. You know, it, it, there's a there's a story, it's uh, about a guy who, who gives him, says something bad about his neighbor. And it was a lie and he felt bad about it and he goes, he goes to a, uh, a clergyman and he says, listen, I said something terrible about my neighbor and it was a lie. How do I repent for this? And the clergyman says, listen, tonight, what I want you to do is I want you to go to every house in town and put a feather on the doorstep. So at, it's 11 o'clock at night. The guy goes to every house in town. He puts a feather on the doorstep. He goes back to his clergyman and he says, now what do I do? Clergyman says, now go back and gather up all those feathers. It's like hard to stop this nonsense. It's hard to stop. Them. Listen, I understand if you're afraid, you're afraid. That's I'm okay with that. Call nine, walk away and call 911. But if, 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 you, if, you're, if you're loaded with misinformation, become informed. It can't be right that you went into a profession where you want to help people and that the right yeah. thing to do is to walk away and do nothing. That can't be the right thing. And I think that's the, the biggest takeaway, I think, Dave, for this show is I think, like I said, I think most people want to stop um, and will stop, right? Uh, and I think some people, like Josh said, it, the 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 level of the of fear of getting sued or whatever is kind of low on the list of your priorities when you see somebody that might need help. Um, but maybe while you're rendering aid, now that forty fifth thing, like Josh said, start ringing the bell in the back of your head, like okay, how much how much more am I going to further am I going to go here? you know, uh, where I'm going to put myself at risk. But I think the takeaway, the biggest one is like we had mentioned a few minutes ago is to educate yourself, to know the the law in your area, know the, the any kind of resources, right? The resources, all that type of stuff so that you know it. And then if you come across a situation, which I think most people at some point in time in their career will, um, you're going to, you know, not have that be any sort of a uh, a decision factor, you know. And I've had situations, and like you guys mentioned, you know, over the years, everything from uh, a, a child that was drowning to to the seizure thing to guy laying on the side of the road got electrocuted with a pole worker, you know, all that stuff that I've encountered off duty, you know, and some of it I was able to help, some of it I was people denied to let me help you know, act like I was a nuisance more than, than a help, you know, things like that. And, and most of it, I never really thought about the ramifications, the legal ramifications of it. It wasn't until I started getting older and more involved in EMS, that I started thinking, I got to watch what the hell I'm doing because I don't need this additional headache type thing. You know what I mean? Um, 
But I think, like I said, I think the biggest takeaway for, for us on the show and people listening and watching is that they, they really need to get on themselves that education so that they're ready if they do encounter that. And it doesn't become a factor in the decision to act or not to act. I have a lot to say about the matter. All right. I think he summed it up nicely. Yeah. Well put. I went ahead there, guys. Um, I appreciate right. I, I thought this was a good discussion, Dave. I like this topic a lot. Um, I'm going to check that article as well. And uh, maybe if I can share that algorithm at the minimum, maybe I'll be able to share it in the show notes uh, for people. If nothing else, I can send them a link if it's not a private link. And people can go look at it themselves if they want to. You know what I mean? Um, I appreciate everybody in the chat room uh, engaging a little bit, giving a couple of their little pointers. And oh, they got some great stories. Chat room was great today. The chat room yeah. was great. I, I appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube or, or Facebook, either one, thank you for doing that. Please hit the like button so that we know you're engaged and you're getting some value out of this. And, and of course, it does elevate the. Um, uh, the thread and the feed when people go log on to Facebook and stuff like that so that they see uh, this stuff uh, for a little bit longer, you know, before the next kitty cat video or, or whatever shows up. So, all right, guys. All right, that's it. Um, as always, I am Jim Hoffman. Josh Knapp. And Dave Brenner. Stay tuned.